whenever I want. Okay, good. Hi, this is Design by Us, the podcast where we discuss how do we design the world. Okay, great. Well, welcome, Eva. My name is Luigi and we welcome Eva this time. Eva, would you mind just introducing yourself and, and, and who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So, um, Eva Guerra, I am currently Design Director at Designed in London a um, strategic design consultancy, global consultancy, which is part of the Wipro family. Um, and um, it's very difficult to put me in a box. Um, I don't have a, a very linear background, um, probably something in common with most people who end up uh, in their lives, their professional lives in some form of innovation, um, you know, uh, process or um, highly creative management uh, agencies. So I come from a background in interior architecture, meaning physical spaces. And then here we are um, 20x years later, I lead the experience design team um, with a uh, one of my uh, colleagues, uh, director colleagues, and uh, I work every day with a lot of designers with different backgrounds, service, research, UX, UI, experience, digital, physical um, people, uh, creative people who, who want to make the world a better place uh, with design. Well, very cool. I, I'm sure we're going to jump into, into a lot of those ideas and all of those concepts and, and maybe some projects that you have worked on. But do you mind if we just go into your first steps and, and your background and how you started and why design? Yeah, it's a very interesting pathway, at least for me, when you have done a number of years without really knowing what you're doing, uh, choosing to study something driven mainly by your gut feeling of what would you like to do but with very little evidence of what actually means in reality to be X or Y. But once I, I, I was a little bit more mature in, 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 in this pathway and have learned few few things, in retrospective, you start looking back and think, it was so obvious that I've always been a designer. It was just not so clear for me to say, you know, design is what I want to do and it took a couple of iterations of test and try and fail and succeed and to to really understand you know the core and the, the core of my passion but I was de debating between um, studying something related to the arts so I've always felt a lot of sensibility towards some form of expression with a visual or physical um, outcome, and uh, on the other on the other side, I I felt that uh, there was some some form of power that architects had on influencing our lives with the built environment. I grew up in a house that was highly unfunctional. Uh, it was a, f a house that was round, like a cake, and each room was like a slice of cake. And, you know, you can think, well, what's wrong with growing in a house like that? It sounds pretty fun. 
uh, in reality is that the furniture that we buy is square and is you know made for fitting mainly square rooms right so it was always awkward to have these corners and this furniture that was never fitting and it, it was a disaster and I felt you know that that was if something the moment that defined me as a designer when I started to reflect very young and very early on on there's certainly a better way of doing this you know this <laughs> is not for purpose it doesn't fit my purpose as a as a child it doesn't fit my purpose to cohabit with my teenager brothers and it doesn't fit the purpose of my parents who want peace and you know it doesn't fit the purpose of anybody but I thought it was you know related to the power that our architects have to actually have this influence in our lives so that's why the other choice was for me um, interior architecture I've never been uh, attracted to math some big complex mathematical uh, or you know engineering processes in which you know you, you get to a, a kind of outcome based on on, on on deep core analysis of numbers and so on. So I knew that architecture was not my place, but you know I thought we live roughly eighty percent of our times in interior spaces, and therefore, yeah. how wonderful it could be that you know I have that power as the architect who designed that house where I lived um, most of my life in Mexico. You know, had over my family, uh, you know, and what if that power is used with a kind of um, intention in place, right? Uh, that you want to make them feel something intentional. You want to help them achieve something. And that was the first time that I that I imagined that power that design could have on influencing people's lives. Um, I'll stop here because I tend to speak a lot. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just just quite quick question. Did you ever have a chance to redesign at least a part of that house? It was it was beyond hope, to be honest, you know. It was beyond hope. And um I ended up moving out of that house when I lived when I left Mexico um back in twenty twenty uh, twenty uh, two thousand in the year two thousand, which is twenty years ago. Um and my mother still lived in that house for a number of years. And um, that house got demolished a couple of years ago. And it was quite sad, but at least very satisfying to know that nobody else will be, no other family will be built through, um, you know, that, that type of experience. Um, yes. I, I guess some things can only be redesigned with a bulldozer. So Totally, um... <laughs> totally. Nice. Okay, well, well you mentioned um, interior design there. Uh, sorry, uh, interior architecture there. Um, that seems to be, you know, quite tangible and quite understandable. Um, I'm sure some of our uh, listeners might be asking, "What is uh, customer experience design?" Which is which is what you do now. Uh, what does that actually mean? What kind of projects do you work on? And, and kind of what's your day to day like working in that particular area of design? Yeah, I mean, I have to say that the jump from interior architecture to what I do now, um, it, it it was a huge jump of, you know understanding the profession beyond the studies, then getting a huge disappointment and realization that it was not my place to be an architect and not an interior architect. And then 
going into a soul-searching exercise of the so what, right? Um, I was, um, I, after I finished my studies, I'm an interior architect. I moved to Montreal and worked for a number of years with a very um, interesting company called Edifica in Montreal, which does architecture. And I had basically the, the dream job in there. I, I arrived to my desk every morning and they were saying, okay, so now you're going to design the new Aldo flagship in New York. And tomorrow you're going so it, it looked, you know, in paper, like it was the dream job for many of the people who studied with, like, with me or my colleagues at university. However, I was highly unhappy, highly unhappy with, with, with having to design something without a deeper meaning and having to design something that was meant to be um, uh, flashy and interesting and meant to win awards and five years later will not exist because there's a very very high rotation in retail spaces and I I, I had to confront myself and and think deep on what I wanted to do right either I will go further and commit myself to architecture or I will you know explore other things and I decided to do the latter. There was no no way I could go on um, with having those deep thinkings and reflections. So um, I went into a soul-searching exercise and it was basically, I will do anything and everything, you know, that I can do and it is within my capacity. So I helped design menus for restaurants. I helped small businesses to to understand, you know, how they could write things in instruction manual so it was easier for users to to read things. I, of course, you know, did websites in HTML and WordPress and all these type of things. Um, and throughout this process, I started to really refine my understanding of the real power of design um, and not only towards the end user, right, which is which is um, almost a given and a responsibility for every designer, regardless of what your profession is. But I started to, to realize that, you know, there is a tangible and very, um, and very visible and quantifiable value that is creating as well for businesses. So it's not anymore about just labor of love, you know, let's save the world with design and beautiful stuff. It's actually, you know, it had a tremendous power of, you know, changing things for businesses as well. And is is in those, you know, little embryonic thoughts and explorations and working with small businesses and, and a bunch of people in between that I realized there's something there. Uh, I came to London to study a master's in creative entrepreneurship as I didn't feel confident enough to speak the language of business to really understand and to talk at that level, um, you know, to, 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 to position design as a value creator. And, um, and I discovered, you know, um, innovation and service design and uh, human-centered processes, which, you know, uh, were, were the aha moment for me. Um, and from there, you moved into doing one or other things and end up in designing experiences, which uh, is something I, I care about uh, enormously now. Um, but uh, I have to say that throughout those years, um, 
there there are two things that happen. One is that um, you become more of a enabler, right? My job on the day to day is to remove hurdles for my team, to enable things to happen, to make sure that the conditions are optimal for them to arrive to the answers that they need. Uh, but I've I've stepped away from the day to day and from you know the 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 doing bit, which uh, which is which is okay. It's part of you know doing something else. But that's that's what I do now. You touch upon a, a few of cool, interesting stuff, and you mentioned something about your first job, and a lot of our listeners might go now into their first design job, let's put it that way. And do you have any advice into when you started something that you you wish you had done or you wish you knew and that you can share with 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 them? Yes, um, I guess it's it's a it's a highly pressured world you know where we are particularly people who is now going to go out and you know experience what it's like to get a first job and um i when i speak to 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 the new generation of designers you know hungry for experiences and you know wanting to prove themselves into this world um i see two things one a contagious eagerness which is fantastic right because we are driven by our passion and you know we we have a sense that this is really truly our fuel and should be um but on the other hand i see as well a high pressure on defining success which is you know is not bad it's not bad to be ambitious but i will i will say um you know i wish i i could told myself earlier on you know that success will come it's not it's not a destination is it's something that you achieve consistently and your goals will change and your perception of you know where you want to get will change and you of course life is very short and we 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 tend to have imaginary goals by the age of 30 I should be here or by the age of 35 I should be doing that or by the age of x I should be earning this and Life is, of course, short and quick, but also is so long, you know, that give yourself, you know, time and space. And not only from the jobs you take and the people you work with, but mentally, you know, for you to explore and do things before, you know, the process of joining the dots of what actually want to do. And during that long period, so... 40 years of working, if you're lucky, right, 45 or 54, probably most of us, it's enormous time to do, to achieve, to fail, to learn, to reassess paths, to think this is not for me anymore, now I want to try that, and to make sense, and to think that doesn't make sense anymore. So life is so long, there's no rush, and the only, the only driver is you know what is next and, and and that would be my advice give yourself you know of course passion and that fuel is everything and follow that passion and be ambitious and be eager but also give yourselves 
space to explore and space to be undefined and space to embrace, you know, an uncertainty somehow, which will be a very important skill to have in these times, I feel. Of course, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, kind of talking a little bit around uh, making sure you've got that space to, uh, I guess, almost experiment. Uh, please don't, please don't let me put words in, in your mouth. But how would you, or how did you balance, particularly earlier in your career, how did you balance wanting to kind of express yourself in a kind of authentic and, and, and true way uh, in your work, but still trying to, I guess, deliver something that was well-designed or something that a client would like or something that would be useful or to ser- serve a, a certain goal or, or an end? How did I balance, sorry, it broke up a little bit, but how did I, ba- how do I, ba- how did I balance that, um, you know, Wanting to experiment versus the yeah, the, and, and and wanting to kind of showcase like a personal expression uh, or something like a kind of a truth to you uh, rather than what is quote unquote good design or what the client wants or or whatever the case may be. Yeah, um, I think it takes time to get to understand that self-expression, um, and um, for me at least personally. Self-expression was a second priority and always has been while designing. For me, my first priority is how am I impacting others? You know, if I was going to design for myself, of course, you know, is it serving my needs? Is is, is actually, you know, meeting um, what I want to achieve and need to achieve? It, it is going to become first. But, you know, we are always doing something for others, always. And um, that is my priority. Now, you become, you are unique, right? And we have very different ways of arriving to, to, to the answers of the challenges that we have in front of us. And that is, for me, a sign of self-expression. So some people might be, you know, more comfortable with diverging on things, uh, you know, others are fantastic at dive, uh, at converging and it's 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 in that balance of understanding what is your own process and what is your preference for following that process which you make your own stamp and you make your own mark if that makes sense um now about balancing um you know that with the needs of the world or the overall needs is 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 a skill that gets acquired um, nobody is born with that, right? And, and for example, visual designers will have a higher, you know, um, higher urge to actually have a stamp or have a personality in the work that they do and through what they do. Um, others, their work is invisible, right? The work is not, it's not, it, it doesn't have those pressures, but it's, it's a, it's a skill that gets acquired um, with time and with experience. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think I, I think you touch upon very good points that maybe even I didn't didn't know or realize before. So thank you. In terms of current projects that you are working on, or personal projects with DesignNet, with anything that you are passionate about right now. Uh, if you want, we can we can start with design it and anything you can share, of course. Um, is there anything and and feel free to go into the business strategy that you're using, like any like designs designs, like any you get a client, like how that like 
level of detail? How that like step by step work? Sure. Um, I don't think we are unique in in the sense that you know all creative agencies at the moment are facing you know very interesting times in the sense that there is on one hand an opportunity to reinvent yourself to reassess you know what really matters for us as companies and for our clients um but also it comes with you know the unfortunate you know unfortunate consequence of you know the global pandemic we are living which um, you know, it, we can see it reflected in our clients' eagerness to engage us um, and the budgets that they have suddenly have shrunken. So interesting times overall. Design it motto is design what matters. And this is a, a very interesting one because it can mean absolutely anything depending on who actually reads it, right? <laughs> um, and we have had enormous debates um, internally of, what actually means design what matters, right? For whom? For me as the designer or for us as a team or for the clients and so on. And um, I I think that we are, yeah, that we are being wise at stop these conversations and try to reflect in retrospective with the projects we have. So I'm very excited about a project that we have just landed with. Uh, it's a partnership, actually, with the um, pro- uh, the Nobel the Nobel Peace Center, um, and we are going to co-host um, uh, a, a conference, a one-day conference in Oslo called PAX 2020, um, under the theme of diversity matters, and it's about gender and inclusion. In, in, in times of peace and war. Uh, this is such an interesting project and you can think this is what really matters, right? Uh, using design to drive, uh, you know, and bring people together who can be the activists of the future and the change makers of the future. So we are catalyzers of this, you know, conversion point, which will be an experience for a number of people and, you know, hoping to, to get um, a resonant um, uh, consequence uh, uh, on that so this is this is one project that I truly feel you know it's the easier translation of our motto however there are other projects that we are are doing which I feel are as equally heavily embedded into our motto we are working with um for a for a long time um, with a energy partner on helping them redefine their business model and um, helping them to 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 create more opportunities in renewable energy space. Um, their business has been heavily heated with 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 the current um, the current uh, pandemic, and there is the need more than ever in the cl- climatic change pressures. You know, to to really reassess the future. So, um, but also it's things that matters, and we are also working with a food company to uh, invent uh, products, uh, new new food products that uh, you know meet uh, the market demand. Well, that actually matters as well. Um, so we are we are involved in in a variety of of projects, um, and we are quite 
quite blessed with having a diverse portfolio at the moment of things going on to to really apply that motor to. But also, you know, it matters, small projects and big projects, and we have had to um, kind of re reinvent ourselves a little bit in the way that we engage with our clients and going with offerings that are leaner, uh, going towards, you know, smaller, thinner projects that, you know, are, are more easily accessible for our clients and so on. Um, and really extracting out of that bit of value that we can create for them in times of uncertainty. Um, so some of, some of those offerings are towards you know, creating a vision for the future. Some other offerings are about helping them to, to, to help their teams to return to a physical space and what actually that means. Some others are, what are the quick iterations that we can do in order to get your service up to speed uh, based on the changes in consumer behaviors and so on. So we are, we are, we are being lean and, and quick and we know that the, the times uh, need that. Very cool. And, and Eva, it, it sounds like then your, your clients and um, the, these companies and these organizations come to you with questions they want to answer. Um, and, and they're looking for a design approach to solve that question. Would that, would that be fair? Yes, absolutely. Um, sometimes they, they don't really know what is the right question to ask in, in, in order to answer the problem. So we help them even with that, you know, trying to make sense of something that is not yet super tangible, framing challenges in the right way and so on. Yeah. And, and, and when might a company come to design it rather than going to their own internal team and saying, we've got this problem, how do we solve it? Um, or this is something that we want to achieve. How do they come to us? No, what, what, um, I guess if you're a company, why would they go to uh, design it as opposed to asking their internal team to solve the problem or come up with an idea or an implementation themselves? Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, I think that um, it's great to see that more in, you know, big clients and even smaller clients are taking design seriously enough to investing on having internal teams dedicated to design things. However, there are a couple of uh, potential, you know, issues with that model um, as internal teams, you know, might, yeah, in which internal teams need a little bit of help from somebody like us. Sometimes um, it's having that external view of the challenge which is needed. I, instead of you know being submerged in the world of understanding every single constraint and every single challenge that you are facing, um, and we have ways to bring the right amount of inspiration uh, from a variety of sectors uh, that can be. Um, it's not just about trends and you know positioning, but is is about helping you to reflect and to think differently of your own challenges without uh, suffering like the analysis paralysis of, you know, there are so many constraints that I can't really see a way forward. So that would be one way in which we can help. Some other times, um, the mindsets and um, the skills of those teams need a little bit of refinement and need a little bit of boosting 
um, and we can as well uh, help them to find the right ways of you know getting those skills off the scratch uh, getting the right cultural fit so designers thrive in certain cultural conditions right we we need um, we depend on collaborative mindsets we depend on um, open and transparent processes um, you know we designers thrive uh, you know in in this type of cultures and sometimes larger organizations uh, you know are not are not properly set up to actually nurture this type of culture so we can help them to to look at that or uh, you know how do you then spread the impact of those small teams uh, throughout the whole organization which is which is more 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 of a inwards project you know you name it design systems or can we help them to get geared and set up to design uh, digital products more uh, efficiently and more coherently uh, so it, it really varies and, and and is wide and varied the reasons why we would get involved you mentioned a lot of times like working with this with teams uh encouraging teams and and it's true that let's say management in the design um world or in the design industry is a very different type of management like creativity is is, is not something that you can just um drink or like take pills to have to be more creative or manage on a spreadsheet um, you yeah or, or yeah or you say yeah you just be creative on your spreadsheet is is something that you have to nurture something that you have to to encourage so uh, throughout your experience working with teams is yeah how do you do that how do you nurture how do you encourage creativity how do you keep teams motivated and, and just alive um i think there are a few things that i can mention based on my experience and first is to have a coherent um behavior so if designers depend on or you know depend on the understanding who they are designing for in order to design better products and services for example you know we rely on tools to you know to be empathetic towards our others needs you know for me one key part of maintaining these teams um uh creative and and functioning is to apply the same tools and methods and look at our workforce as humans right so and understand that everybody has different needs although you know we can we can align on certain principles uh, of behaviors or you know expected um expected um kind of mindsets that uh, you know people need to need to commit to but it's it's all about people and there is no easy or straightforward answer about that um i i am happy to say that at design it you know we understand that we understand that people is our biggest asset and will always be our biggest asset uh, we don't we don't we're not hippies that you know <laughs> we don't we don't hug each other and you know chant on every morning but we are highly highly attentive to what is happening you know f with us as professionals and with us as humans and even more so when we are working remotely because it's less less easy to spot uh, certain signs of for example mental health issues or you know a little bit of strain here and there but 
we are highly attentive to 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 that there's no other way to do it is is that empathetic culture and understanding that people with whom you work are humans is for me the first step then the second is um i guess to have a very clear understanding of the type of people that you will need in order to achieve what you want to achieve. Uh, so what type of company are you and what type of people will thrive you know, in, in, in the company that you are creating? And this is very important because although you might think um, this person is great, if that person doesn't have the right skills or doesn't have the ambitions in the same place, that person will never thrive and will never you know, be happy and it will be attention in, in both ways. So it, it is important to be clear of, you know, what are you looking for and what type of people, you know, will 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 help you get to that objective and vision. And finally, something that we talked a lot about within our teams is, is a phrase um, called radical candor. Um, we like each other, we even can consider ourselves friends, but when it comes to give feedback on the work that we do, we always encourage people to use radical candor. It is important to understand for our professional growth, not only the things that we do right, right, to have awareness of your strengths are very important, is very important, but what are the things that you can do better? And it's not about being mean or it, it's about helping, helping, you know, others grow in that sense. And I think it's something that we often shy away from, you know, we don't, we don't, it's, it's uncomfortable, but it's extremely important that we get comfortable with both giving good feedback and receiving that feedback for your own growth. Um, and of course, there is the craft and and, the, and 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 a commitment for certain quality that you know comes comes after. But I feel that those three conditions are definitely needed for as the basis of of of, um, of great creative teams. That makes a lot of sense. And actually, uh, it sounds a lot like a, a book that we've actually covered on this show as well. Uh, Creativity Inc. and some of the I think Radical Candor is actually uh, something that's mentioned by Ed Catmull as well. Um, but but it does sound like uh, your your team is quite a specialized culture, um, or at least quite you know one that's working really really well. Um, how does that culture kind of clash or maybe mesh really well with the culture of your clients who come in? Uh, and you know, do you ever need to kind of almost break that down to kind of get creative with that client or you know present really radical ideas? Um, it's an interesting question because clients can come in very different ways. So let's not forget that Designit is part of the Wipro family and therefore the first encounter with a different culture is our colleagues at Wipro and Wipro Digital. Wow. So, and, and these people with whom we work with every day um, and that come from engineering background, from technology background, from data background, from... Um, business consulting background and so on um, and it is the first really encounter to to difference um, 
I will say two years ago, we ditched our approach. So before, you know, as any reputable consultancy, we had a five-step approach. And you start with research and then you do synthesis mm-hmm. and your strategic foundations and all those type of things and so on. And we ditched that approach and we adopted principles. Um, principles for for that guide our projects. And those principles can be applied to us uh, as a team, but most most uh, commonly will apply to the team working on the project. And by that, I mean designer people, repro people, client people, partners people. Uh, and you need to align, you know, on X number of principles, you know, if you want to work with, with them. We rarely work in isolation and it's, it's, everybody understands that it's our role as designers to encourage that collaboration to happen, to put the right conditions for, you know, great things to, to arise out of that collaboration. And, and yeah, it's, those principles have been really, really great. Now, we have a rule. We have 10 um, uh, rules of thumb, which are um, not principles, but are behaviors that we are all expecting to adopt. And the one that I really like the most, and I don't know if you can swear on this show, but it's a strict no asshole policy. And that applies to our teams, that applies to the colleagues we work with, and that applies to the clients that we work with. Um, and, you know, we can debate long and, you know, for a long time what actually means an asshole. You know, wh- who, what is an asshole? But you can feel it, right? You can feel it. If somebody is not really, you know, willing to collaborate, putting their best forward, being humble and 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 willing to, to push forward towards common outcomes, yeah, I it it will probably would not go very far, whether it's a client or whether it's a, it's somebody in, in in the team. And I I really like that <laughs> rule of thumb, and it's even in the entrance of many of our offices. So everybody who comes through the door, the first thing they say is a no asshole policy. Yeah, yeah, right. Absolutely. If you if you don't feel comfortable working where you're working or with your, with your team, there's no way you're going to be creative or create good quality work if, if, if you're not in, in the right place and mindset. As we approach the, the, almost the end of, of the show, I have one last question and it comes, it's more related to the future. And my question would be, if, if there was anything that you could redesign in our society today, what would that be? Oy, so many times. I will not redesign nice. my... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry? The oi was very, was very Latin Oy. American. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly. Um, uh, there are so many things that I would like to have the focus and the time to redesign. But I think that the one that has been a constant in my life is um, the experience of dying and experience death Um, and I feel that it's one of those sectors that goes so strongly against our own instinct of survival yet dying is the only certain thing in life 
Yeah. So the only thing that we know for sure is that every single individual in this planet today one day is going to die. And somehow it's very hard to go through that. It's hard for obvious reasons, right? And, you know, we lose the people that we love. But also, I feel that, you know, designers shy away from making that experience a little bit better. And I don't understand why, and I feel there's a big taboo in our society towards people who have lost um, somebody and that are grieving. And, um, you know, it is it is something a bit shocking if you uh, have the misfortune to experience it um, and you know you understand how how yeah how how difficult it is to go through that and that process it would be for me something that I would love to tackle so what how do you experience death when you are the surviving you know element of of uh, you know um your family or your group of loved ones and you know even how what is the experience of dying and how how can you um get some form of comfort on understanding what is going to happen to to everything you have accomplished in life you know after your past yeah especially um especially now as well i was reading about some of the um i'm not sure if disruption is the right word but you know some of the you know, real issues that sector is having um, with the ongoing situation, with loved ones not being able to, um, you know, say goodbye in the right way. Absolutely. Um, definitely. So, and it, 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 is, it is something I would like to design or redesign because it requires a deep social science understanding, you know, almost the anthropological view of, you know, who we are as humans, and the creative mindset of a of, of designers uh, in multiple disciplines, not only you know in one sector, and then you know what happens with you know the impact that you want to create. And of course, you know, being a Mexican, uh, we have a very different approach to death, and is is not less painful, but somehow it's a little bit more socially accepted than if you are in other in other cultures so day of the death is something we do every year and um and so on so uh, but yeah that that will be my my pick today but wow well that's a that's a that's a really 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 cool goal um i'm not sure if it's a goal but it's a really really cool idea at least i can uh, make it a goal maybe i will make it a goal yeah no that's that's really really cool um, okay, so Eva, we, we're almost at the, the end of our time. Um, and, you know, thank you so much for sharing, um, you know, and spending some of your time with us. Uh, but one question we ask all of our guests um, is, who do you think we should interview next? Oh, um, I have a great list of um, women in design that um, we have invited to design it as part of a series that we host every month uh, to expose uh, more female professionals uh, uh you know in the sector so i'm sure i can give you a great list of of names that you can you know explore um but um i hope uh, i don't know what is the ratio between women and men on, on your show but uh you know i hope you you keep diversity in mind and um i hope you 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 take a yeah um a step on 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 achieving that that gender um, 
balance on your guests. Absolutely. And, and we should be held accountable for that as well. Um, where can uh, people find you, uh, find Design It? Uh, where would you like people to go straight after listening to this show? <laughs> um, com uh, is where you can take a look at everything uh, we do. Um, my email address is on the London section studio. Um, and on LinkedIn, you can always uh, you know, reach me. Um, I'm not very open on social networks and you know less and less with time so um you might want or try to add me on instagram i might not accept but you know it's it's a it's a gamble but uh, linkedin um designer.com uh, there's my email and i guess we'll see each other out there somewhere yeah of course if you if you want to stay updated on eva's work design it at least is the safe place um well, thank you very much, Eva. If you want to keep and stay updated to, uh, to anything, any updates, or just keep going with the conversation on the show, you can go find us on Twitter, designed by us underscore FM. And uh, this is it for today. So thank you very much, Eva. Thank you, Ravi. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, both of you.